Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Blake Tomars, the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. His podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered, available each and every week. Follow him on Twitter on X at B Topmeyer. Blake, how amazing was the Rose Bowl? How was the setting? Hey, did you, hey, did you know this? The sun goes behind the mountains. The San Gabriel <laughs> Mountains. Make sure you yeah, identify. Uh, thank you, Mark. I went to college there. I, I appreciate know, I know. that. But you got to, if you're going to, you I know. I think I've been they, to the Rose Bowl more than you have. No, I know. When they mm-hmm. describe yes, it, I'm you got to like, you know, I'm you got to give every little lush detail. Did, did you find yourself understanding of why they control college football? It was a pretty special scene. And I'm a bit of a cynic, a bit of a skeptic. You guys probably know this about me. But so I, I was. Well, you come to the right come, place. Right. I was coming into it thinking, like, this is going to be overrated, right? It wasn't. I mean, maybe it was because the game was was really good, too. But I thought Pasadena delivered, the Rose Bowl delivers. My first time covering that game. It is a beautiful scene. I know Stephen A. Smith went on a long rant the other day. I I love that. It was zigging when everybody was zagging. Because all the the conversations make the national championship – Put it at SoFi. I love that. That's why he's a king. It was so true, though. Like, the traffic was the one disaster, and the Rose Bowl folks don't give you – Directions on how to get to your parking lot, and I did not stay in this little parking lot. The golf course. I, I didn't stay at the media hotel, and so I couldn't get the the media shuttle to the game. I had a parking pass, which oh I thought fine, right? And that's what I do every week. No, no big deal. Uh, it was a big deal, and everywhere you turned, you were running into sawhorses and police telling you to go the other way. It's like, but my parking lot's that way, and so after weaving in and around, how you know, far were you staying from Pasadena? Traffic, I was in L.A., uh, which was not that bad. Getting to Pasadena wasn't the it was problem. The pr- it was the parade and everything. All, all, every, it, it was, every street's closed. Were, exactly, and the parade was over, but the streets were still closed. And so I drove around for like 45 minutes in Pasadena, and I just thought, you know what? I'm never going to make it to my parking lot. I found some street parking about two and a half miles from the stadium. <laughs> and so I parked in public parking on the street for free. I got this parking pass that I probably could have sold uh, for like a kidney or something. Um, but it was completely worthless to me cause I couldn't get to the parking lot. And I had to walk, uh, two and a half, both ways, two and a half miles, both ways to and from the stadium. And despite that, despite that, I had a great experience. That's how, that's how cool the scene is. And that's how good the game was. So I'm not going to go Stephen a and, and rant about the whole thing, but the parking and traffic is a disaster, but the game was awesome. I will say, I haven't been since post renovation, and it looks because the press box is in the new part, right? 
Uh, I guess. I mean, it's the only time I've been there. The, the press box is not like state of the art, but it's, I'm telling you, it was better yeah. better than it was in 2011. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was fine. The grass and, is and, so and, green. Uh, there's something about their the color of their grass. I don't know if they paint it. I don't know. It's it's very green. It is, and it's like the sun shines every yeah. day out there, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you I'm walking two and a half miles of the stadium, but it's 65. It's sunny. It's New Year's Day. You don't care. Uh, I mean, I'm, I wish I wasn't working because I would have had like two drinks in my hand, and yeah. I would have been thinking like, "Is this heaven?" Yeah, this is uh, this is, it's, and yeah. it was like a, a great game too. It's like, okay, this is the peak of the sport. Totally. All yeah. right, so here's my question before we get into the national championship game involving my Michigan Wolverines. I, I am curious. This will be the first national championship game without an SEC representative since the first college football playoff, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, when, the, Al, when Alabama had the same version of their – instead of Blake Sims, they had Jalen Milrose. It's the same thing. Though. Yes. Um, along those lines, like that obviously was not necessarily indicative of any sort of trend for the SEC that year. Or, Is, or Alabama. Or Alabama. Like – is there any sort of big picture takeaway from the fact that the SEC very clearly had a down year this year overall, only got one team in the playoff and is not in the national championship game for the first time in, I think, like, what, nine years, essentially? Yeah, the takeaway is that the SEC's best team wasn't in the playoff. Um, if Georgia's in the playoff, I think there's a decent chance Georgia is in the national championship. I mean, and not to rehash old arguments, but my stance all along was that the, the playoff selection committee selected neither the four most deserving teams, which would have included Florida State, nor the four best teams, uh, which would have included Georgia. They tried to like do this awkward splitting of the difference to create a spot for the SEC, but they knew it couldn't be Georgia because Georgia just lost the SEC championship, and so they put Alabama in and, and snubbed Florida State. So we're left with a field that wasn't either the four most deserving or the four best. Uh, it did create a, tel- a great television show. Uh, we got two great semifinals out of it. But, yeah, I, I think my major takeaway is not like, this is doomsday for the SEC. It was a bit of a down year for the conference, although it acquitted itself pretty well in bowl games for whatever that's worth, not much. Uh, I think there were some some good teams at the top of the conference. I think the top like five or six teams in the conference were very good. I think the difference between this year and a lot of years for the SEC is like seven through 14 weren't as good as they often are. And the other difference was their best team didn't make the playoff. I mean, in most years, sometimes you have two SEC teams in the playoff, right? But in most years, maybe at every year, the SEC sends its best team to the playoff. That didn't happen this year. I mean, Alabama, they beat them in, in the, uh, in the key moment. And so the committee gave them the nod, but um, I think most of us would agree that Georgia is a better team. If they play that game 10 times, Georgia wins most of them. Georgia had a terrible day that day in Atlanta. Brock Bowers was playing not at 100%. Ladd McCock, he wasn't at 100%. And so Georgia loses. But, yeah, I think my big thing is one of the four best teams in America is not in this playoff. And uh, I don't know if they should be. I would have had the four most deserving teams in and, and put Florida State in. But, um, yeah, that's that's my SEC takeaway is their best team didn't get in. Yeah, because I was trying to think about the connection between the 2014 team. And to me, it's like, well, the Alabama teams were the same. Like, they, they were good at – almost every position except quarterback and in the end that that's what I think in the end that's what cost them but 
that Alabama team probably was in 2014 the best SEC team because I think they beat Florida, I think, in the title game. And, That's right. And, yeah. I, and it was a McIlwain Florida team that had lost four games, maybe, or maybe that was their fourth loss, but it was like a nine or three. I mean, at that point, like Alabama probably was the best team, but I, I agree with you. I felt like with George, in the SEC championship game, it felt like the fact that Georgia has played so many big games for the last three years, it finally felt like it caught up to them. Not that Alabama doesn't play high stakes games, but it just, I felt like. I, I felt like Georgia kind of ran out of gas in that SEC title game. Yeah, and, and I do think uh, – I don't really want to be a Georgia apologist, but I just think it's a fact. Like, the injuries to two of their best offensive weapons um, factored in, much like uh, Alabama's injuries factored into Georgia's first national championship sure. a couple couple years ago. Um and and Georgia made some uncharacteristic mistakes that night. You know, they had a turnover inside the 10, and they missed a field goal. Like, those two plays alone tipped the scales in Alabama's favor. And so, some horrible it, clock management by Kirby. Yeah, and then the controversial fourth down catch yeah. uh, from, from Alabama there. It was, uh, it was a Missouri team. Missouri's weaker of its two teams was who Alabama beat oh, that's in the right. 2014 yeah, yeah. season. It was, a, it was not a banner year for the SEC East, not really a banner year for the conference overall. The West was pretty good, but the East was, was not good at all that year. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some parallels. With Alabama this year, though, I don't know that I can say they were good at every position besides quarterback. Like, I thought their offensive line got exposed in their two toughest tests this year. Like, their offensive line really got exposed against Texas, and then it did again by Michigan. They didn't have the wide receivers that they needed. I mean, Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond are pretty good deep ball artists. They couldn't get open downfield against Michigan. I think part of that's Michigan's secondary. Part of that is Michigan's pass rush was constantly – uh, you know, destroying uh, Alabama's semblance of an offensive line. So I, I do think, you know, Alabama's weaknesses extended a little further than usual. I mean, they weren't always glaring. Like when you're playing Mississippi State, those weaknesses don't show, right? When you're sure. when you're playing Kentucky, those weaknesses don't show. But but that was a common theme I thought between the Texas and um, and the Michigan losses was those were not good looks for Alabama's offensive line. I mean, you look back on the Texas game, they averaged like three yards per carry uh, in that game. Their only real running attack, well, their only real offense uh, in the Rose Bowl was Milrow running around. Like, it, was like, it was like counter, quarterback counter, and then yeah. Milrow getting outside. Yeah, and, and so, um, you know, again, I don't, I don't think it's like, you know, a, a team with a, a, a weaknesses that can be exposed by every opponent. But when they play the two most physical teams on their schedule, normally Alabama looks like the more physical team in those games, right? When it's going to be two physical teams going at it, historically in Saban's run, Alabama's been the more physical team. The two physical teams they played this year, Texas and, and Michigan, the two teams where their strengths are at the line of scrimmage, Alabama got whipped both times. Yeah, I kind of went back and forth because – I don't know, I was talking about with Mark. It was a game to me where it felt like both teams let the game get away. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like... It was not, as a Michigan fan, it was not a fun game to watch. Well, like, to me, like the... <laughs> it was not. It was know, just a t- nerve-wracking game. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't text you during the game, Blake, because I knew you were working, but, like, it was alarming to me when Michigan dominated the first half in the fashion that they did, and the game was 13-7. to 7. 
it's like, oh, I've seen this script before where you should be up multiple scores on Bama. They're going to go into the half. They're going to kind of figure it out, which they, they kind of did. And then they, they had, were able to protect Milrow a lot better in but the second the, half. The reality is, like, one of the things that had hurt them all year was snapping the football, and yeah. it got them this time. And you're so right about that, your halftime feelings, because I thought Alabama's rally into the lead in the second half was so predictable. Yeah. I thought at some point in the second half, Alabama's going to take the lead, even though Michigan had dominated the whole first half. Um, you're right. I mean, they, they weren't dominating on the scoreboard. We'd seen this script from Alabama before. We saw it in the Texas A&M game. We saw them pull it out in the Auburn game. There were some other games where they messed around a little bit and they rallied. You knew the Alabama rally uh, Ole Miss. was going to the, come. The Ole Miss yeah, game early Miss. in the year, yeah. That's right. And, and the only question was, did, did Michigan have the answer? And they did in that, that, that key game-tying drive where I thought J.J. McCarthy kind of came and went during that game. But at the moments where Michigan really needed him to make the big yep. plays, I thought he did. I mean, in particular, the game-tying drive, right? I mean, he was, he was really good. And, and Michigan was doing some things scheme-wise that Alabama just can't do. Uh, I mean, down in that so, – so McCarthy's game-tying touchdown pass, play action, four-yard flick into the flat, right? Beautiful play call, well-executed, the whole bit. Alabama doesn't have that in their arsenal. Jalen Milrow did not throw a short-yardage touchdown pass all season against an FBS opponent. His only short-yardage touchdown passes this year were against Chattanooga. So when it comes down to game on the line for Alabama, fourth and three, it's an eight-man box. You can't hand it off against an eight-man box. And you know he's not going to pass it either because he hasn't. that's something he hasn't done all year is throw for a short-yardage touchdown. And so, you know, right, right there it shows – Alabama's offense kind of had some limitations, particularly, I thought, in the key moments, whereas uh, I thought in the key moments, I mean, Michigan kind of had their full arsenal work, working for them. And, but I agree, like, it stretches that second half, I thought, Alabama's going to win this game, and it's going to be almost impossible to explain because Michigan's been the better team for, like, 75% of the game, and they're going to lose this thing. They didn't. But there was a real threat of that happening. I thought it's going to be one of the more inexplicable scores, you know, you could have where Michigan has a 10 to one advantage in TFLs. They have the advantage in total yards. They have the advantage in like every way, but somehow they found a way to lose. Didn't happen because of that key game tying drive. All right, real quick. Now I want to get your thoughts on Tennessee and Ole Miss, but how do you handicap this national championship game? Uh, I guess I, I think Washington's offensive line is much better than Alabama's. They've been great at protecting Michael Penix all season. So if, if their offensive line holds up better than Bama's did, they have a shot. I think Washington's wide receivers are better than Alabama's. Uh, I think that gives them a shot. And, and Michael Penix is a more polished quarterback than, than Milrow is. Milrow is the better athlete, the better runner. Tennix is the polished quarterback I think you want in these games. So I, I think those three things on on Washington's offense better equip them than what we saw from, from Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Uh, however, we know Washington's got one of the worst pass defenses in the country. So maybe and the rush defense ain't much better either. All right. And, and so maybe it's too simplistic, but I guess I boil it down to I think I think Washington's offense can have enough success for them to win if McCarthy is average to non-existent. If McCarthy has a good game, I think Michigan wins. Yeah, because I'm kind of – the other thought that I had was 
I, Washington clearly beat Texas. Like I, I don't want to like make it seem like that I, I thought Texas should have won the game. I did think Texas got away from the run, and I mean I kind of know why they did. Like the guy fumbled first, and then. But I, I know I know a coach who won. I know a coach that's not <laughs> going to get away from the run. <laughs> that's true, and, and and maybe maybe it doesn't come down to McCarthy because maybe they don't need to get away from the run. You're right. I mean, I think I, I we tend to focus on how bad Washington's pass defense has been because it's been really bad. But it's not like the as as you guys said, it's not like their run defense is is a steel curtain either. And and Michigan uh, more than most teams on Washington's schedule. Is equipped to take oh, advantage. I gotta ask of you. That. I gotta ask you one more. What was it like watching Harbaugh warm up in person? Oh, God, did he have the cleats on? Uh, I, I, you was know, it a I, football I game, Jeffrey? Well, I just—they were talking about Harbaugh warmed up with his quarterbacks. I was like, no duh. Yeah, it was the ti- it was the title uh, game. Of course, he, he was going to. I didn't catch some of that. You know, I mean, you guys know how it's going before the game. You're chatting, you're eating the whole bit. But one thing I did—I was in the stands, but I wasn't in the press box. I was kind of soaking up the scene, if you will. And Harbaugh comes out of the tunnel. I don't know. This must have been like an hour before kickoff. You can and see it now. You a, can just picture it. He gets a hero's welcome <laughs> yeah, from course, Michigan man. fans. He's a victim. And Harbaugh just Witch eats hunt. it up. He just eats it up. I mean, he has convinced that team. He has convinced that fan base. America's that team. Is, he is the victim. He is being unfairly. Is this sounding familiar? He's being unfairly persecuted, and they are just eaten out of the palm of his hands, and he plays the part perfectly. I mean, Stop the steal! He, he, yeah, he comes out of the tunnel just kind of real slowly. He wants to make sure the fans see it, right? <laughs> of course, so they, that's rushing. what they paid to see! Yeah, he's not rushing his way out of that tunnel, and then once they see him, uh, there here comes the roar, and Oh, he just—he's just eating it up, eating it up. So that—that that was my favorite pregame Harbaugh. Now you've got me all excited for the roar on uh, the roar uh, on Monday. I'm going to Houston. I assume I assume y'all didn't have the volume on, but the other best is when Holly Rowe interviewed him. First off, Happy New Year. Yeah, I, that I was found, good. I found that myself saying, "Thank you, Jim. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. It was good. All right, real quick. First thoughts on Nico's yeah I, I, debut. I, yeah, debut in the uh, Citrus Bowl. Uh, did it make you juiced up for uh, next season if you're a Vols fan? All right, so I'm going to do the like chew gum and walk here and try to do the two things true at once. All right. Uh, on, on the one hand, I think it is true that Josh Heupel clearly blundered in not finding ways to incorporate Nico more throughout the season. I thought it became evident in that game Nico does some things that could help, could have helped Tennessee this year. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, I don't have Nico penciled in on my 2024 Heisman ballot yet. I just went back before we did this interview. Um, I went back and I watched every snap uh, of, of Nico's game in, in the Citrus Bowl. Thankfully, someone on YouTube condensed it down to like nine minutes. I watched every, yeah, every Tennessee play in nine minutes. And a couple things struck me. One, most of his completions were behind the line or near the line of scrimmage. He didn't throw the ball downfield much. Two, Tennessee's offensive line looked in shambles, right? Uh, three, I thought Nico held the ball a little too long. I was really impressed by how smooth he was running it. Just seemed like a natural, just kind of glides out there with the ball. And some of those quarterbacks have speed, have power, but they're just not natural runners. I would put Joe Milton in that category. Nico looked more natural running it. So that impressed me. I was impressed with how he seemed to have a grasp on the offense. But I thought, you know, some of this hoopla was a case of, 
this guy's been a much hyped five-star freshman and we've been waiting all year to see him in, in something that isn't mop-up duty. And then he comes out and scores four touchdowns. However, again, you know, when we think about some of these things, the sacks, the lack of downfield shots, and they punted a season-high seven times. They scored four offensive touchdowns, seven punts. Really, the efficiency was no better than what the offensive efficiency was all season with Milton. I think Nico's a better player, sure. I think Heupel should have found ways to use him, particularly in red zone packages. I think Nico could have helped Tennessee by maybe being able to do some things that weren't necessarily Milton's strengths. However, I'm not going to anoint him for Heisman just yet because, you know, Tennessee beat Iowa by five touchdowns. I mean, so did you look at Iowa's three games this year that were real games, right, which they weren't tightening the screws on Illinois and Northwestern. Penn State beat them 31-0. Michigan beat them 26-0. I was saying, Michigan had trouble deep. moving the ball on them. I was saying, the, yeah, other, pro- the other problem with identify, trying, to, trying to evaluate Nico is Iowa's defense, like, they're not going to give you the deep shot. Like, they're, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, I, but I did feel the same way you did. I was like, I thought he was fine. Yeah. Like, I, I, He's a freshman. It, 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 I mean, yeah. I would be excited if I was yeah. Tennessee going no, into I, next I've, year. Exactly. Um, with, with him. All right, and then. How big a deal, this could be for both of you, how big a deal is Ole Miss losing Quinshawn Judkins to the portal? Uh, I, I felt like laying in the portal this offseason, it was like two and a half steps forward and one step backward. Like, I think there's some Ole Miss fans trying to rationalize the loss of Judkins. You know, you hear the predictable narratives when you lose a guy. Oh, he's a bad locker room guy. Or, you know, he wanted to be the star, and he learned he wasn't going to be the star. I don't know whether those are true or not, but they're predictable. Didn't want to compete right? for playing time. Yeah. Well, the reality is, Quinshawn Judkins is one of the best running backs in the SEC. Uh, he's a weapon on that offense, on an offense that values the run game. For as much as Loverboy Lane uh, gets a lot of credit for quarterback development, as well he should, very, very good at that, Uh his offense centers on having a dependable run game and Judkins was the bell cow. He, he is a weapon they will miss. That being said, they've gained more than they lost in the portal, as you would expect Kiffin to do. But, you know, there were some like long shot talks and it really was long shot talk of like, Ooh, is, is Ole Miss a national a dark horse national championship contender next year? Uh, Judkins out of the picture, I think really should put that talk back in the bottle. Now, could they still make the playoff without him? Yeah, I think they can still contend for a 12-team playoff without him. But they gained more than they lost. But this is still, to me, an undeniable loss, losing Judkins. I want to see who they add. Yeah, what's, well, the, what's the domino yeah. that falls because of this? I'll say this. I don't – did he leave because he got – is he going to get – he's trying to get more NIL? Is that why he's leaving? So – the way it was told to me is he was coming back on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was agreed to he was coming back. And then something changed on Wednesday. Yeah. To me... Someone I'm, came th- in with a bigger th- offer. That's my... That, that is my... No one has told me that specifically. There's no tampering. and There's no tampering until you enter the portal. I mean, what, Lane's, Lane's the one that said everyone's pre-portal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have to think to some degree this involves NIL. I mean, that was the big drama last offseason, right? Would he yes. stay or would he go last offseason? And, and Ole Miss made the big deal. I mean, heck, they announced it. It was like a – even in this free agent era of – I think it had an NFL, infographic, like, yeah. It was a little jarring to say, like, you know, the 
Quinshawn Judkins is re-upped with Ole Miss or whatever the, the language was. I'm like, wait a second here. We just got like, him. <laughs> we just admitting that this is just full-fledged guys are signing contracts or something, like, you know, free agent deals or something. Yeah, I can't wait till like, you get the yeah you know, instead of the instead of the good old signing day ceremony where you sign the blank piece of paper that you've already faxed yeah. in six hours ago. Now, like watching him sign nil paperwork. Yeah, re- he resigns. Does he get a fountain pen for that? With the collective. Yeah, they made such a big deal about it last year. So I think it was kind of this, is he going to stay or is he going to go moment last year? And um, I do suspect something that, 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 that could have repeated itself this year. And, I mean, look, I, 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 think, I think even good running backs probably don't command as much in an IL as some of your elite players at other positions, uh, quarterback, offensive tackle, edge rusher, cornerback. Like, I think it's a lot like the NFL. Those guys command more money uh, in an IL. Receivers. On the other hand, yeah, receivers. I, on the other hand, I do think star running backs are worth something, particularly in the right program, the right system, the right coach, like maybe even more so than the NFL, right? Like the NFL is pretty homogenous, pretty uniform. Uh, I, college football is kind of that way, but there is still a little bit more variety. I mean, we just talked about Iowa. They try to win with defense and punts, right? So <laughs> there is a little bit more variety in the NFL, or excuse me, in college football. And so I think a, a running back of his caliber could command, you know, a good offer from the right team with the right coach with the right needs. But overall, I think your stars from other positions probably are going to command the highest dollars, and and maybe hard to hard to stomach for certain guys. All right, buddy. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Blake. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.